0: and welcome to another episode of the Long Monday Podcast. I am your host for this week, Mike Kane, and I am joined at the virtual roundtable as usual with Jason Adams. Jason,
1: how are you? I'm doing good. Doing good, man. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Pat? I'm
2: percolating.
1: Percolating? What's that supposed to mean?
2: I'm doing well, thank you. Okay.
0: For clarification there, Pat. She's she's
1: She's literally bubbling over people. That's what we're watching right now. So excited. Yeah.
0: With us this week, we have a special guest as usual, Um, special to me as well because she happens to be one of my coworkers. Uh, We work at the same college, which is why I thought this conversation might be interesting to have our opinions as well as Pat and Jason's. Professor Tracy Graham, how are you today? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Well, thank you for being here. We're excited to have you as well because, you know, a lot, well, for many of us uh, here, we are no longer college students, so we can't quite consider the perspective perhaps of being in that position but for Tracy and myself, we are in fact college professors. So I thought it might be interesting yes. to talk about the current state of college teaching as it were, especially in Tracy's case, because she happens to actually teach theater at the college level. So Tracy, if we could begin, uh, could you just trace your history that led up to teaching theater, uh, how you got into theater, that kind of stuff, and specifically what got you to Ori georgetown Tech and the position you currently hold?
3: Well, you know, I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey, and I don't know if you all are familiar with the arts movement that came out of Newark, New Jersey, um, by the legendary Leroy Jones, Amir Baraka. And so he actually really, really built the strong arts movement in New Jersey. And then I was born, sort of, I'm going to tell my age a little bit, a lot of part of the 1960s. And a lot of my initial um connection into theater came from under his level of consciousness and what i mean by that is um a lot of my work focuses on black theater black theater movement and so he was one of the pioneers that sort of guided me in this and so you know in my formative years I did a lot of pageants um, in the New Jersey area, and so we had to have this talent, and the talent I did was acting. And so I had these acting coaches, and so that was sort of an introduction into the elements of expression and theater with the acting coaches. And I've won a couple of pageants with the talent, and I was excited and said, okay, I sort of like the realm of theater, theater expression. And um, this went on for several years, but you know, um, when it was time for me to go off to college in Morgan State University, my parents were like, okay, you, you need to look at something else. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted me to focus on the science, science. And so I majored in civil <laughs> engineering and was absolutely bored,
0: how it absolutely
3: goes. bored. And And what was interesting is that Morgan State had this really Big engineering um, school, but right down the street really was the theater department. I'm always looking and lurking. i um, wanting to go into theater, and what I did, no, I'm serious. And what I ended up doing was quitting civil engineering and I went into mass communications with an emphasis in theater. So I started back. Um, developing what I had in my formative years, particularly more with um, monologues we were doing. I wasn't really in a lot of place because the theater program wasn't as big at Morgan State, the engineering program was. But I started delving in that some as well. And then it was time to graduate. So I had this degree in um, mass communications with the emphasis in theater, us and I wanted to explore the world some, so I lived in Japan teaching ESL. Now, how does that connect to theater? Well, the Japanese students on the island of Shikoku spoke hardly any English at all. And so I was an ESL instructor in the classroom along with a Japanese speaking instructor. And so a lot of my interaction with them, I had to bring in the theater elements. So drawing back from theater, because see, I think theater is a way of life. It's part of our day-to-day lived experiences and expressions. So here I am now incorporating theater again. Um, learning a lot about puppetry with um, kabuki theater, drawing that in as well. And I lived there for two years traveling around um, Japan and teaching ESL. And so I started to bring forth more of an international approach because the thing about theater in Japan, there's a lot of physical movements and a lot of facial expressions, and there's plots and subplots, but it's done a little differently than what we know in terms of Western theater. And they have interesting uh, chorus and music, but the emphasis is more on how you posture yourself, your movements throughout. And so I started to add that into the classroom just to draw our students into English. And it it was really unique technique to do. And after leaving Japan, I went into a master's degree in theater at Bowling Green State University. But now their emphasis was more theory, theoretical frame. And so this is where I started to learn more about theoretical concepts in relation to the applied element. Um, I started directing some plays in um, my master's program. Um, but my focus, I there, there was something also continuously drawing me back to black theater, you know, the foundation that I came came from out of Newark, and so I started looking at. Um, different works under black theater, looking at others as well. But that was more of my emphasis, looking at back theater with August Wilson, the Colored Museum, A Raisin in the Sun, just really trying to horn into uh, going back into these black consciousness of theater in relation to all that I was learning um, at Bowling Green State University. It's a very, very good program. But I started to focus more on theater, directing, and writing, writing my own work. And I did quite a bit of that as well. Um, Interesting twist though, I have a PhD in anthropology. So I went to the University of Florida and got a PhD later on the University of Florida in cultural anthropology and I merged theater with that because again, if you studying people, particularly cultures and their day-to-day lived experiences, you got to look at how they um, move daily and theater arts always comes in as a form of expression. And so merging those tools together. So my, my background in terms of, um, Theater has been very unique, I would say, just in terms of it's the trajectory is not linear in, in the approach to it. I brought in these other disciplines to kind of merge, highlight uh, my base in theater, if that makes any sense to you all.
0: It does. And yeah. it's yeah. In really impressive how many directions you took. I mean, the Japan thing sounds awesome. I mean, we can only great. wish for a life of theater kind of that level in terms of education. So what eventually leads you to Ori Georgetown?
3: Well, interesting enough, my my roots are here. I don't know if you're all familiar with Bucksport, South Carolina, but my mom and dad were born and raised in Bucksport, South Carolina. And at the time I was teaching at Essex County Community College in Newark, went back to teach there in the communications department. And I wanted to move down here just to learn more about um, my roots. And so I came down here and I, Actually got a job at Coastal in the theater department, but I didn't accept it. Um, I ended up working for Horry County Government, and there, um, from there, I moved into Horry Georgetown Technical College teaching anthropology and theater and public speaking. And so again, I went full circle all the way around, you know. And then was doing some work. At Coastal, I don't know if you all are familiar with Intzaki Shange. She just Mm -hmm. transitioned not about two years ago. But I actually in the Black Box Theater at Coastal, I did um, for Colored Girls, and I remember. And I did another play there that I had written um, at Coastal as well. And once I think once I did those plays there, I started to kind of look at how I could kind of set up a base here and build on a theater in the area. The thing about theater here, as you all know, it's it's not like it's New York. It's, it's not an urban city. It's not one of those cities where you have a whole, whole lot of theater going on. But yet you can find it here and you just find your niche the way it works for you. And that's what I'm still doing just within the theater realm. I mean, I really enjoy it. Really do.
0: That's the beauty of a place like this is that most people come mm-hmm. to Myrtle Beach, half of them are tourists, and the other half, right. I feel, are people who have lived in New England states for 20 years and go, you know what, I'm tired of the cold, so I'm just going to move down here.
1: <laughs> for someone
0: right. who went to college, you know, came to this area for educational purposes, I at first was like, oh, there probably is no theater down here. But then you start looking around and you say, wow, there's actually yes. some great theater around here, um, both in the educational sphere and outside of it as well.
3: That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right. And how long have you been working at Ori Georgetown? I would say now it's about
0: 17 years. So long history with Ori Georgetown Tech. Long history with Ori Georgetown Tech, that's right. I mean, I've only been working there for two years at this point, so (laughs) your career certainly overshadows mine in terms of that. But within the two years I've worked in the technical college sphere, uh, you discover a lot of things. You have this ideal that you'll go into a position of education, and you'll be teaching students who are completely enraptured by your subject and are completely into everything you say, and then you get into the classroom and most of them are going for something that has nothing to do with your subject, and they're taking all these gen ed courses because they have to. Tracy, I'm sure you have some sort of similar experience with that in sort of teaching a gen ed course, especially at the technical level where we don't have English majors, we don't have theater right. majors, we have associates in science, arts, and then a whole smattering of other technical degrees. So in your own experience, how has that been for you in teaching at the technical level?
3: You know, it's interesting because I do have students who've done some performance in high school. Not a whole lot, but you'll find, particularly with my, in in the intro to theater course, they have to do monologues, and they always draw from something they've done before, and then you start to learn more about their backgrounds. Well, I did this in high school and I did that in high school and I was at um, the arts high school and I did this and did that. So I have a percentage um, of students that have a background in theater. And so that brings them into my class. But as you stated, most of the students who are in my class, they're just like, can I get an A? <laughs> and, and what does it take? But, but for me though, I always apply theater to day-to-day lived experiences because even within the rim of your day-to-day functionalities, there's drama, there's plots, there's subplots. And so trying to, I always try to make those connections with the students who have no idea what theater is and really don't care. But if I can apply it to their day-to-day lived experiences, you start to see a light bulb go off like, oh, I didn't see it like that. Yeah, it's like that.
0: It's funny. We had, in our first season, which was a while back at this point, Steve Harley was one of our co-hosts at the time. And he did a lot of work at Ori Georgetown as an associate, or an adjunct professor of theater, excuse me. And he was talking about how he had similar experiences where kids would come in, have no interest in theater, acting, any of that stuff, but he would have these exercises where kids would really open up and discover things about themselves and about each other. And I think theater has the power to do that, even if it's in a classroom where you have maybe nobody interested in theater. I think that's really interesting.
3: Yes. Yes, I agree with you.
0: And it's funny that, you know, from our perspective, myself, Pat, and Jason, we can speak to, of course, you know, being into theater, performing theater for a different smattering of years at this point. But uh, Pat, did you do any educational theater work?
2: Sure. I taught for 15 years in Wisconsin, Okay, mm-hmm. oh, wow. And a lot of it was public speaking, but I took on theater and taught the kids improv, too, like after school. And okay. in, as part of my literature classes, I had to teach one quarter of the semester uh, theater.
0: So then there's some perspectives that, of educational learning uh, as well. Um, because, uh, Jason, I don't think you have any teaching experience in terms of theater, right?
1: No, I, did, I substitute taught. At oh, okay. high, school, high school level, high school level theater. I did it for a little bit off and on. Uh, okay. some, and I've taught like children's summer camps. Um, I used to do them every year for about um, oh, for about 10 years. I did it. Great. So. Well, then
0: I'm the only person here who has no theater educational experience in terms of teaching theater, which is fine. It's totally cool. Uh, but the cool thing there is that we get multiple perspectives on conversations like this, which um, Tracy, leaning into this next point, um, we were talking yesterday. I mentioned how, you know, we live in a time that, in the course of our modern human history, as I put it, we haven't really had a thing like this, which of course we all know is COVID-19. Within the last year, theater has essentially shut down, is the best way to put it, uh, for many good reasons. Obviously social distancing, theater being such an intimate, close, personal art form, you can't really social distance and still have theater the way we want to present theater in a lot of cases. So within the performance sphere, I mean, Jason, Caleb, and I just did a show, which was very great. we were very grateful for that opportunity. But a lot of actors around here have not had theater in a better part of a year. Right. So from your perspective, Tracy, you're teaching theater. Um, the ways you teach theater, I assume, are very dealt-with persons in the classroom interacting with each other, and then all of a sudden you have to transition to this online environment. How exactly do you tackle that, especially with such an art form that is theater and a study that is theater?
3: Well, I and And you and I were discussing this yesterday, I agree with you about the intimacy and the personal connections in relation to the audience and the act- actors the performances. but I think also, as I was sharing with you, I feel like theater is adaptable, mm-hmm. and I think even in the virtual room i i I feel that it has drawn in the students for for example um they have to select the playwright. And so I create this lip guide of all these playwrights that I'm really interested in um, from various different um, ethnicities and backgrounds and they have to choose one so once they choose the playwright then they have to look at one of his plays or one of her plays and then once they do that they have to get a, a monologue and then we go into this whole rehearsal room virtually where now we are doing Several rehearsals virtually just like this. And they actually have their props, what they're going to use. We go back and forth on it. And and for me, it, it was interesting because at first I didn't think that they were going to really get into it. But there was something within their virtual space that I found very interesting and captivating. That they, there was some passion there. Even as we continued to rehearse, and we rehearsed several times, and then they had to tape the actual monologue and upload it into the discussion area of the online course. And then we had a vote to see who had the best monologue and why using techniques from a chapter. And it went over really well. I'm going to do it again this summer. And so I found it interesting because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but it worked. I trust the fact that, you know, theater can also be adaptable. We just have to kind of really plug into it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, too, I think part of a, a, a reason and I think that works, too, with theater being adaptable is, and like when you were describing it there, too, I think the difference between general education, like if you're in an English class or a math class, theater actually is like almost like ownership you know That's you are right. literally creating this role you are taking it upon yourself That's you're right. sort of becoming this individual this character what do you want to say yeah and so they are you know the, the people themselves are saying oh man this is something I'm owning I am creating I am becoming That's a right. part of whereas if you're writing a paper you're doing a math equation yet yeah, you're creating it but it's not the same sort of intimate level you know so I think yeah I think the theater is is able to do that because yeah we all want to be storytellers and stars in our own world and and sort of that that lends to them building and creating these moments so yeah I think I agree with you I think theater is definitely a much more adaptable type um, yes medium of course
2: Tracy what's what's your ultimate goal with this class what do you hope these kids walk away with
3: tapping into the side of their brain that gives them more sensibilities into arts and intuition and really expanding that side of their mind and learning how to apply that into whatever field that they go into. You know, the world that we live in now, it's all about instant gratification and quickness. And um, it doesn't really lend itself anymore to your artistry the work that you do even the monologue that may not be yours it's august wilson's play and you draw from a character in august wilson's but if you're able to take that and run with it and look at the depth of how you can express yourself (laughs) you can apply that into any other field that you go into I'm um, just like I was listening to you talk about Pat your the background your background in teaching and communications in public speaking you need elements of um theater just for how you present out publicly you know the you, you know the vocal variety the conversational style just within the speech patterns that's just as important as performing a monologue so I I merge it all together you know that's where i am i want folks to 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 always show their authentic self because that's how i'm living
0: do you find that sometimes that's difficult for students to accept about themselves um because what i found in my classrooms uh for those who don't know i teach english um, and writing for th- what I found in my classrooms is the same, same similar thing which is like I, I tell them take ownership of your writing right it's it's something you create it's coming from you it's unique to yourself there's no one else making the same paper unless they play Dries, of course which is an unfortunate thing um, but in most cases they're creating art that they don't see it as art but they're creating art that is inherently their own and so often they go I don't trust my writing my writings terrible I think i'm not good enough and i'm like no just take ownership of it so i assume in a theater sphere in a theater classroom there's very similar things that occur like that
3: yeah it, i i think you're right because again i'm asking think about it if they leave your class of pat's class and they come into theater even in the writing there's a structure with the beginning middle and end just like the plot subplots within Theater, but you using a different side of the brain. They may feel, and then they come to theater, and I'm asking them to explore these vulnerable possibilities. Really, mm-hmm. that's what I'm asking them to do in some respects. To tap into parts of creative writing as well, because we do that in there. They end up. The final project is to write their own play, mm-hmm. one act play. Wow. That's the final project in the class, and then they do an excerpt from that.
0: Nice. That's interesting.
3: So Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: (laughs) No, no, I was just gonna say that's a really interesting project to save as the, I would assume that would be in a higher level course than introduction to theater.
3: No, um, once we go into the the chapter of playwriting and really focus on the importance of it and so forth, I use that as the final in the class, yeah.
2: They After looking at so many monologues, different playwrights, hearing so many different monologues, I would think that your students have an advantage over people that haven't had this kind of introduction in finding their own voice and Mike, you as a as a teacher of writing that's mm-hmm. got to be a real challenge how what's a voice? How do I write in my own voice yeah. because you never really recognize it unless you're a reader and you start to step back and look for that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they find often that in terms of creative writing, which I don't teach creative writing, but what I've often felt in my own experience of education was that we most writing students won't understand voice until they get into the creative writing classroom. In the more standardized MLA writing classroom, which is basically what my 101 and 102 are, They so often see it as, oh, this is just a paper for a grade. It doesn't matter what my voice is so long as it adheres to the expectations of it. And I'm like, that's part of it. It is. But there's this other part that you're not tapping into, which is so important, (laughs) which theater basically is, you know, tapping into the soul of who you are and making it unique. Um, But especially on a technical level, I mean, we mentioned earlier that Tracy and I don't have students going for degrees in our specified studies which of course is its own hindrance, but also an opportunity to make them discover something they might not otherwise discover. Yeah, I have some students who who go for my class and are probably never going to do an English class ever again, probably never going to write anything unless they're forced to do it. That happens. But sometimes you get a student who goes, wow, this is really interesting. I didn't think of writing this way, or I didn't think that I could excel in the skill that I now have in my toolbox. And it's those moments we obviously look for. which, Tracy, I'm sure you also have those kinds of moments where a, Peter, a a person comes into the course not having any interest in theater, and then they leave the course with some newfound interest in the subject.
3: Yeah, that, that happens. And I think I've had a few students that have also went over to Coastal and majored in, in theater there as well. Okay. So that's that's always good. I don't have a lot of those students, um, but I've had a few who are in the theater program. I think part of the problem is that theater, um, they don't really know how to make the money hmm. in in terms of just um, using this as a way. So if you're not acting, what you are gonna do? But there are other things that you can do within the theater room and you can get a degree in theater and maybe go from the teaching aspect of it. Um, I think part of it is that not, they don't really understand how theater, even having that discipline or that background, how they can actually go in, maybe through the side. Everybody's not gonna be on Broadway. This is not gonna happen, but you can write, you can do some community theater work, as you all are doing, you could do some other forms of work also that's more that's engaging and that's going to enhance the discipline. I just think don't think that here in this particular space they have a real understanding of how they can utilize theater. Mm-hmm. You know? Cuz yep. it's not it doesn't have to just be acting. There's so many other ways. And once I understood that a light bulb went off. Cause I didn't really want to. I did it when I was younger, but I I didn't really want to act. I like being behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I love directing. I love being behind the scenes um, and and seeing what Mike produces. If I give him the tools that I have to give to him, and seeing what how he produces that, I think it's fascinating to see it from 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 various angles. And I just don't think they students know you know what what's really available and then technical college level um that we don't have uh degrees in theater yeah. you you have a degree to get a standard job and and what's the industry jobs out there it's nursing forestry those are the areas in, in locally
1: sorry i was gonna say i also think too I think just not knowing what theater is is not just in general uh, students I think it's also sometimes people that come watch shows too um, I, I mean I, I was approached when I was in college or even before college I would have friends that would come do something with theater um, I directed a show when I was in college as part of the main stage It was like my senior project there was a student who was a um, pre-med student or biology student I can't remember what he was but I said, you know, I need some extras. You want to come in the background. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And so he came and did the show. And afterwards, remembers remember telling me, going, I had no idea how much technical lighting, sound, all the p- hands that go into creating something because, you, you know, you're used to watching it. And you don't think of all these 50 or 60 people that have gone into creating costumes, set, light, sound. Um, it's just a vast sort of, like, world that I think people don't understand. So, like, when, when COVID happened... People wonder, it's like, oh, well, Broadway's closed. Well, you don't realize how many thousands and thousands and millions of people, artists, musicians, performers, technical people that just didn't have a job to go to. It was sort of like this, yeah, I mean, millions of people just didn't have a job because you don't realize all those people work. We're used to saying, oh, these movie stars couldn't go to work. Well, those movie stars, for every movie star, there's 75, 80 people who are working to make that movie star famous um that's so right. that's sort of the problem too that uh yeah people just don't i don't think you're right they don't realize the world that goes in there the people that study it the people that write the people that you know are dramaturgies who study art and theater and build this creativity level and stuff that we're doing you know musical theory guys and things like that so yeah, it's a whole unique world
2: the people outside of the building the marketing people right. the producers the No, it's vast.
1: Yeah, the maintenance people who run the building.
3: That's right.
2: Yeah. The ticket people. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, I didn't, you know, I majored in theater, and then I did theater as soon as I got out of college, but it took me years working Mm -hmm. to really gather all that information because we never had anybody come to class and tell us that. I mean, yeah. I could have skipped a lot of hard lessons if I if somebody would have just told me, "What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> How do you do it? What What could you do with a theater degree? Like do commercials, do industrial films, do little independent films." Nobody taught me that till years later, and then I did it. But um, you just you introductory class like this is an opportunity to just get a taste of all the things that go That's into right. that magic.
1: And, and I was going to point out to something you said before um, about theater, the class um, we're, we definitely more prevalent now that we're in a world where culturally people are becoming more, we talk about social distancing, but people are, you know, they definitely could just react on their phone, but I mean, that open communication between people and people being free to be themselves um we're trying to make the world more free to be yourself but people i think are still nervous about being themselves but taking that intro to theater class like you're you're teaching them is allowing them to actually be more well-rounded individuals right because i mean right. the world that we live in communication is, is super important it's i mean it's it's a big key um and i have i mean i'm a i i'm a retail manager so i mean obviously we we talk with individuals all day long communicate with the individuals um, and so we're sort of you know we get young people come in to hire for a job and they they have to it's a it's a rude awakening because now they have to communicate with a person right in front of them who's looking for something That's uh, right. and i have tons of young kids high school kids they're like oh, i'm about to go start school and i always tell them take an intro to theater class mm-hmm. i was like you have no idea that class would be the best class you take and they're like, but well, I don't know anything about theater. I was like, you don't have to. I was like, it's gonna make you, it's gonna make you open up. It's gonna make you a better communication. It's gonna make you feel more open to be yourself. Um, it's gonna give you all these little layers of things you didn't think you knew about yourself because you may not. I mean, the idea is, we're always self-discovering who we are. You know, you could be seventy-five years old and realize, oh man. I, I really never liked ice cream, right? You, you know, you can, you can just hit it and be like, I just finally realized I don't like this. Or, right. I mean, that would be a horrible thing to realize, but I think <laughs> but, that's the point. It's theater. An intro to theater class like you're your teaching allows students earlier on to sort of be able to express themselves sooner instead of being 45 and having an emotional breakdown because they've never felt free to be themselves. Taking a class like that opens them up to new things and better things. And makes them a more well-rounded individual in general. You know? But you
3: know, if, can I can I say I like to say this? You know, as I was listening to you, Jason, and you you're saying you are into now retail management. You sure. know, I sort of bring those elements into the class as well, because again, mm-hmm. theater's day-to-day lived experiences. So there are some aspects of costume designing. In relation to retail management and the the, this whole notion of performing performativity on a theoretical level when you get up in the morning and you moving and you putting on these clothes and um you feeling a certain way these are all forms of performativity And and it's structured in a different way, not from the theoretical framework of the discipline that we're talking about, but Mm -hmm. the lived experiences of performativity. There are um, social theory, critical social theory that really touch base into this way of looking at performativity. And how we live and, and, and the workplace. And when you're talking about just retail management, I'm thinking of costume designing already. And, and why we buy certain things and mm-hmm. we wear certain things and the colors that we wear. That's just just part of this whole notion of being your unique self. And those sure. um, social expressions as well. I I, and agree. I try to apply that into the classroom too. Sure. So that they get an understanding of that and the importance of understanding why you s- chose to wear these particular shoes or this yellow shirt or this head wrap or these earrings or this particular tie, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So, Tracy, we've been... Oh, Pat, go ahead. Oh,
2: well, Tracy, if things were different and we weren't going through this terrible grounding that we've been going through for the past year. Would you require your students to see at least one theater production? Because I assume that a lot of them never went to a play.
3: In my class, they have to go to one theater production. They have to bring back the playbill and or the ticket stub and then an essay. So what did you do in lieu of
2: that?
3: I didn't do it um, for COVID. Mm -hmm. Prior to COVID, I did. And I will bring it back again in the fall. So I didn't do it. I just didn't. And and I could have, because you had Hamilton that was virtual. They could have Mm -hmm. went through Disney. And they could have seen it. And I could have given them um, credit for that. But I I didn't focus on it Mm -hmm. during COVID, to answer your
0: question tie into something I was about to ask, which is, Tracy, we've been dealing with this online education environment for the better part of a year at this point. I think it was mid-March of 2020 when we got the email that said, okay, mm-hmm. all your face-to-face classes are going straight to online, you have a weekend to prepare. And it was like, oh, my dear God, okay. Um, so we've been dealing with that for a bit of time now. Um, now, I, th- I think you'll agree with me, at least my guess is, that you know the preference for us as educators and teachers is that we prefer the in-class, face to face environment as opposed to the online one that's right okay is there anything in this past year in terms of your online classes that you've discovered and went wow i didn't really think about teaching this way in terms of my class i might integrate that into my normal classes when we go back to the normal face-to-face environment
3: um i i go back to what i was sharing with you earlier about the virtual rehearsals i think i'm going to incorporate that because usually my rehearsals um when i had the classes face to face they were actually in the classroom and the difference was half most of the students were in one class and they had one-on-ones with me for five minutes at a time where i directed them showed them how to come enter into this the playing space how to come down center stage and really give their monologue its essence And I would take five minutes with each student and do that. But I think I should focus on the virtual space to where they can be in their comfort zone and do the virtual one. And then maybe move it from there to the um, playing space that we're in in class. Um, I I may still kind of incorporate the virtual rehearsal space. I I, I think that was unique. I was a little... um, Concerned that that wasn't going to go over well, mm-hmm. but it, it, it did so that part I would and then they have a costume design um, project that they do um, that went over really well virtually as well too. So I may add some of those features back into it. When,
2: when you did the one-on-one, is it just you and mm-hmm. that student on the Sick. screen, nobody else watching?
3: No one else is watching. I give them five minutes of
2: all I got. That's nice initially, because then they don't have that whole
3: element mm-hmm. of the crowd freaking them out. And-, yeah. and then they don't have to memorize the monologue. I, I, because it's, it's an intro class, and it's just an excerpt into acting, Mm -hmm. And that's some of the techniques and the breathing points and so on and so forth. And so they can have the monologue in front of them. I just show them how to hold the paper and move their bodies. So kind of like cold reading. Yeah, it's like cold reading. Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. You mentioned the comfort zone thing, which I think is absolutely true. I found, at least in my classes, that students who would otherwise be very quiet in the face-to-face classroom, um, specifically talking about the first semester we had where half of it was face-to-face, COVID hits. All right, the rest is online. I had a lot of students who in class would maybe say one or two words. I could not Mm -hmm. get them to talk for whatever reason. They just didn't want to participate. And it's like, okay, great. But you get them in that online environment in their comfort zone and they're talking on discussion posts, for example, and they're saying like brilliant stuff. And I'm like, where was this in the classroom? Like Mm -hmm. you're you're making really intelligent remarks and I'm not hearing any of it. Um, So the comfort zone thing I think is absolutely true, which – Mm -hmm. I wish they would bring it to the face-to-face class more often. But again, it's that crowd factor and the intimidation of it all, which is unfortunate. But again, these are students who this might be their first college semester. I mean, talk about intimidating. You know, you might be moving away from home for the first time, all this other stuff that plays into that. So I get it. But as someone who's gone through the system, I wish they would just realize more quickly, I guess, how really it's not that intimidating. Like just take ownership of your opinions and your voice and things like that. Well, that's why I think,
1: oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, good. Please, well, that's why I was going to say. That's why I think and show, a class like intro theater is so good because it's one of those things, Mike, that it gets them there early on. I wish it was like one of those required classes for college that students would take early on because it, it gets them more comfortable with opening up in front of a crowd. I think it does. It does. I mean, the first few steps of the class students are still there, but you know, with the right professors and you get, you know, someone who loves mm-hmm. theater, who's engaging them, it allows them to be more comfortable and be free. And I think, if they would have that earlier on, their college experience would, would change dramatically. Mm-hmm. And their life experience would change dramatically too, in some ways.
3: And and to add to what you all are saying, you know, as a learn, we all learn through various mediums. Mm-hmm. So some, some students or some people, those one-on-one intimate connections are going to work better. Other students, the discussions, um, because they love to communicate in written form better and they don't really want to talk out orally, they will do better from that realm of that medium. And then the other thing, too, is interesting, again, with theater, um, because it just moves into so many different directions. Um, like you were saying, Jason, just those one-on-ones, you building now on just, looking directly at a person direct Mm -hmm. eye contact which brings you into what um techniques for getting a job so you can take this in so many different areas it's it's theater moves you in so many other realities
0: tracy one thing i wanted to bring up um i wanted to get in here is when we first met which was back in spring of 2019 at this point, Um, you had mentioned, because I was asking you about FPMS, which is personal objective stuff that we do outside of the classroom. And you had mentioned this trip that you take with your students to New York. Is that correct?
3: At that time, I was working on taking them to Broadway. Okay. Yes. And I wanted them to see the ongoing show of The Lion King (laughs) and uh, and or Hamilton. I think at the time when I was looking at it, Hamilton was so expensive. (laughs) And so even the matinees were extremely expensive. And so I I found in my research that The Lion King probably would be better just economically for them. And um, we didn't go. Now I'm looking at the North Charleston Performance Center. And I'm I'm looking at 10 students. Um, That is an objective that I want to do to between 10 to 12 students, first come, first serve, you know, and and that we drive. Everybody can take their own cars. We drive down. We spend a day. And hopefully we can get backstage so that they have a direct connection into the performers perhaps as well as the performance itself and then afterwards maybe meet some of the actors the director um, or whomever and so Hamilton is supposed to come um, and then they they don't really have their full season yet but I'm hoping that um, I can get that off in the spring. And I think that that would really help students, maybe even wanting to delve a little bit more into theater to just have that hands on. Because I not just see the play, but can we meet with um, some of the performers and or the director and or the costume designer, whomever, just so they can have more connection into theater.
0: Even when it was the Broadway um, version of your trip, I mean, I would. When I first heard that, I was like, "Wow, that's really crazy!" That at a technical level, in a theater intro class, you're making those kinds of moves. But I think that's great. You know, if you're teaching intro to theater, take them to the hub of American theater. I mean, that's a I, good place I, to learn.
3: I really wanted to do it, but but you know, I I I thought about it and I was like, I'd rather do it local because I I can look at Wilmington as well and I could look at Charleston and I maybe even can look at Columbia. I, th- I felt safer, to be honest with you, doing it local. And then after a year or two, revisit it and then say, okay, Broadway. I was diving into Broadway and I thought, well, let me look at it on a smaller scale first. Um, look at the kinks in it, if there are any problems. Because going to New York, taking about 12 people, that's um that's a big undertaking yeah and i and i had to really start to as i was jotting down the itinerary and started working with some other um administrators within the college setting and they wanted these forms signed and there were certain things that i had to do and not do i thought let me start on the local level first <laughs> still am interested you know, I am mm-hmm. yeah. very interested in Broadway, taking the students to Broadway. But let me let me go, at Ch- go to Charleston. A one day trip in Charleston is easier to navigate than three days in Manhattan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Can be done. But, you know.
0: Well, cool. Tracy, is there anything you'd like to bring to the floor that we have not asked you? Um, this is your time to take the stage and spotlight, if you'd like.
3: Um... No, I, I I really enjoyed this discussion with with you all. It's 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 really good. I'm I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk, and I just believe that theater is a part of your everyday lived experience. You can't have a life without theater, some form of drama, some form of an uh, theatrical expression. This is where we are in life, and I think the Western Theater, at times, just in terms of um, the way in which it's structured, it sort of makes it separate sometimes, and yet it is a part of the day-to-day lived experiences, and that's one of the books that I use, that theater as everyday life, so that we can really, really start to draw into it and get more interest.
0: Great. Pat, Jason, anything you two want to bring up before we close out?
1: not that i can think of
2: this has been really interesting Tracy. Has been really interesting. i know. mean
1: i feel like i could talk about a bunch of different stuff on uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> this conversation oh, yeah. but yeah <laughs> um yeah but i'm good for now yeah
3: all right
1: great well thank you tracy for joining us it
0: was fantastic
3: thank you so much for having me
1: i have a, i i do have a question i have a parting question just yes. something for you because we are in this covid world and you know it's about to be the end of a semester for school and college and you know I know I know tech runs year round um, but a lot of students will be free sort of at summer is there anything based on where we're at you being an intro theater do you give any of your students or would you give anybody of our listeners ideas of stuff that you find interesting to read or listen or watch um, that you that would help sort of open us up to more theater experiences that maybe we don't know about does that make sense What I'm trying to ask I guess yeah let me let
3: me think about that I I think
1: Hmm. Like Hamilton for sure. Everybody should watch Hamilton on Disney Plus. Yes, I would. I would agree with that. Mike and I have had conversations definitely about Hamilton, how awesome Mm -hmm. it is. So if you haven't, go watch that for sure.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Hamilton definitely. But you know what? I I would go back to the in chapter one in my theater book talks about um, the merge of television. In theater and Mm -hmm. you really there are differences between both one you don't have the live theater uh, goers when you're watching television but something unique in that chapter where they talk about the importance of just kind of the drama and I, I always tell them to watch watch TV um, watch elements of TV and start to make those connections into those plots and those subplots and, 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 and learn what is a climax through a television production as it goes up, heightens the actual drama. So I, I throw it back on television because everybody's not going to be able to get to a, a theater, a live theater uh, production in the same way you all will or I will.
0: Sure.
2: There are um, regional theaters, for instance, Steppenwolf in Chicago Mm -hmm. always has something going on online. You'd have to Mm -hmm. kind of, you might want to screen it first or just turn them on to it. Um, and, And the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis also has things going on online. And part of their objective in theater, although they're professional theaters, is building an audience and educating people about theater Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it might be something that they find interesting or valuable and they're fabulous theaters
0: well thank you all for listening once again and we'll see you next time on the long monday but until then take care
3: thank you Bye.
0: bye